Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. In this episode, I'm speaking to Wesley Faulkner, who, if you have heard him talk, you might well describe as the philosopher of DevRel. In our chat, we cover a lot of ground, and we also discuss the insight that it is not just senior management that must understand the value of developer relations, but actually the wider world. And part of our problems maybe come from the fact that there has yet to be a Harvard Business Review article discussing the value that we provide to industries across the board. Alrighty, let us get philosophical. Wesley, welcome to the Fireside of the Fox Gig podcast. It's great to have you on. I have been chasing you for a while, so thank you very much for being a guest. Yes, yes. Sorry for the delay. That was mostly on my part. I've been traveling a lot. The world, the life of the DevRel, eh? Getting on planes, flying around the place. So glamorous. Yeah, everyone has their cross to carry. Uh, so that's mine. Uh, yeah, I mean, how do we, how do we, DevRel's taking all that free champagne on first class? Um, I mean, the massages help. So, yeah, they do. Um, they do. Yeah. No, the one time I got bumped to first class, uh, of course, I had slides to do for a talk that I hadn't done. So I had to, couldn't take the champagne. I had to work. Right. <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time I flew first class ever, actually. Um, I think maybe two years ago, like I still had some legacy status oh, okay. with okay. American and I had to go somewhere. So it's been a while. Um, I, uh, I haven't, um, I try not to travel, um, but it's just been a particularly busy time of year um, with um, some lucky things and some work-related things all kind of combining into one. I don't, uh, I mean, the, the amount of travel that we used to do Flying that used to do pre-COVID was kind of crazy. I used to get chest infections and everything. I'm kind of glad that it's much reduced now. Uh, but speaking of the state of things, right? The um, developer relations, the state of developer relations report has just come out. Uh, yes. Talk about that a little bit. Um, layoffs, diversity, all sorts of stuff. What's your, I, mean, I know you were involved, right? But what are uh, I don't know if the word highlights is correct, but what are the things we should be paying attention to? Oh, for first, just for those who aren't familiar, this is the tenth report. Uh, so um, after ten years, so it's great to to be able to like. It, it's just a reflection of this past year, but also the way that the report comes together in terms of the questions have evolved over time. So it's great to have that kind of refinement over the decade. Um, that Carolyn Luco, who who uh, is the person who's kind of spearheading the report, um, so her work in, in this field is kind of unmatched um, at the moment. Uh, and so, also, this is the first time the report has been 100% uh, online from viewing. Uh, usually, it's a PDF that you have to download. So it's mm. great to be more available this year. So if you haven't. Uh, seen it yet, you can go to stateofdeveloperrelations.com and just view the report right there. So you don't need to send even email gated or anything like that. So you can just view it. Um, one of the things that that caught my eye and made me shed a tear is the rate of people being laid off mm -hmm. in just the one year period from the previous survey. Um, 
a mind-blowing 15%. Now, when you think about developer relations, it's still a budding like industry or profession, uh, specialization. And 15%, when you think about the limited number of people in DevRel, that is a huge, huge chunk of the expertise and the specialization that people are basically doing on a day-to-day basis. And um, I, I, this was done, uh, I would say the current climate now, um, it's really also really hard to find a job in DevRel. And so from, if you think about just a year before uh, salaries climbed, there weren't enough people for the jobs that were available. And now it's a really big shift um, for 15% uh, to be able to be let go. And uh, I think with a lot of things, it might've been what they called what the free money phenomenon where Mm, interest rates were so low. uh, There was a lot of investments um, and there was a specific retention strategy because people um, people didn't want to go through the hiring process again. So they were, even if they ran low on money and funds, they would still retain some employees because hiring is hard and being, being able to let go 15% is hard, but we don't see this just in the startup sector. We see it for like companies that are right. That's the kind um, of scary thing, right? It was, yes, it was not just startups that couldn't get like series B. It was uh, you know, some pretty big established companies, but you got to think the overall trend has to be upwards because, uh, you know, software is eating the world, etc. Everybody needs an API these days. Uh, do you think it's going to come back? Maybe it'll come back a bit more solidly. I don't know. Um, this room, so during the recession, what, twin 2008, I think it was. Um, where the housing market yeah. kind of plummeted. A lot of people who were who are realtors or in real estate lost their jobs because they weren't able to survive or navigate that. And um, they said the year before, there was a lot of people, it was almost free money, like houses were selling right and left. And if you just had a license, you were just, you can, you can print your own money. Um, and they said it took that recession to kind of wash out those who were just in it for the prestige or just for the, to do no work. Um, I don't know if that's the same with DevRel. It could be the same. Um, But I think part of the mystique with DevRel, I think you alluded at the beginning is that it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of like going to Mm. exotic places. It's a lot of doing things that feel very glamorous. Um, And the issue with that is that there's a lot of work that takes to even get that far. Um, so if you do public speaking, there's a CFP process. There is a, a process in where you need to make sure that um, that you do the refinement of the talks. You do the refinement of like getting your presentation ready and then actually delivering so that you can continue that snowball of effect. So those, those things are really, really hard to do if you're just talking about public speaking. We're not also talking about doing the work like figuring out who wants to hear your message, where those people are going to be gathered. Um, how can you make sure you show value? Because I think that's also part of the recession is um, of people who are not recession, but the, the layoffs of, of showing that what I did matters and what I did uh, actually made an impact on the business. So the, there's a lot 
to navigate. And um, DevRel in itself um, is something that takes a lot of stamina. With those people who got laid off, I would say not probably like a big chunk of them just left. So they went back to either being software developers or going, if they're career switchers, going back to where they want. Um, so um, when you yeah, talk I mean, about we, coming we are back, seeing We're seeing a bit of that where people yeah. are like, yeah, you know what, DevRel is not for me. I'm going to go back to being a coder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you've seen people say, oh, you know, maybe there's a bit more money in just being a staff engineer or something like that. Maybe that's a better career path. Or more security. Yeah, because we I don't think we saw right. the same numbers for developers. No. Or, you know, the other question is, okay, now I'm a DevRel. Oh, I can be head of DevRel. Where do I go next? Mm-hmm. Right? You... Some people feel there isn't that career path there. Man, we're talking ourselves out of a out of a job here. <laughs> well, it's more think... like, yeah, it's more like having the right expectations, not just on the person in DevRel, but also the people who hire DevRel. Um, it, that number is not just the people who are let go because of them not seen being seen as ineffective, but also I think it's it's part of it as not um, the people not understanding what they're getting or what they're looking for. Yeah, and part of it is, as you said uh, when we were talking before, there's an element of uh, actually liking the job, actually wanting to do the job for its own sake, right? Being creative, taking part in communities, uh, you know, literally getting a kick out of going up on stage and talking about your ideas and getting feedback, right? Um, I think you have to like that stuff. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of us. A lot of us ended up in DevRel where. You know, I was a coder, a Java coder for 10 years in a back room, tapping the keys, uh, not speaking to anybody. Um, and I, I like the job, but wow, when I discovered community stuff and conferences and meetups, I like that a whole lot more. I think, I think you do have to choose it and it has to choose you, right? Yes. I think we, we, we talked before we started recording, like how I got on this path and it's always been... I was exposed to something and then I loved it and I wanted yeah. to do it more. Then I was exposed to something else and I loved it and I wanted to do it more. I think that was part of my journey is just, um, oh, so this exists and you can do this. And I like doing those things and just kind of leaning into my skill set and my interests and then finding a job that fits that, which, which was a big part of it. There's another aspect to this, uh, which is where do you think the layoffs happen? So... There's a number of different roles in DevRel, and one of them is this kind of publicly visible role where you are thought leadership, blah, 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 whatever, right? Speaking at conferences. Uh, But then you also have DevRel Ops, right? Which is Mm -hmm. people behind the scenes making stuff happen. Uh, Do you have any any understanding of who suffered more in the layoffs? Was, Was it more of the conference speaker types or the ops side of things? I've seen it all the way across, but surprisingly, I think the ops got it more. Um, I think, um, so I I know several different people, not just the ops, but also the strategy side. Um, People who who are, I I think there was a, it was a short-term investment and not the long-term investment for some of these things. And once they were realized, that's when they were let go. Um, once the, and it it also felt like a domino. So I've seen a lot of like 
DevRelops, people let go first. And those are the people who help with stats. Those are the people who help with numbers. Those are the people who actually did some of the justifications. Those are the ones that informed budget. Those are the people who informed like forward-looking strategy. And then once those pillars from behind the scenes were gone, then it made it harder for those who are more front and center um, to justify their impact and show like their strategy of where to go forward, where they think is going to be some of the weak points. And then they kind of, their, their work was undermined. And then I think it was kind of a domino from the inside out um, where people were trimming the fat and then um, almost like the office space. So, so, so what do you do here? (laughs) And like, well, I get the data you get the, the data. So like you, you pull the data, like well, ag- aggregate it from sales and customer service and all that. So, so they have the data and you just bring it together. Yeah. Yeah. I bring it together and I crunch those numbers. Well, can't we just get an algorithm or to do, and it's just a lack of understanding of how pivotal and crucial these people are yeah. that, that, that yeah. actually power these things. Like you can't do one without the other. It still feels to me, because this stuff is still so new. I know this is like the 10th report, right? But it still mm. feels like we are fighting an uphill battle around uh, people understanding the value of developer relations. And I always feel in my in my, my own previous companies that I founded and worked at, developer relations has, has had such an insanely massive, positive financial impact, critical to the success of the company. Mm-hmm. And I talked to a lot of different people in the industry on this podcast, and that includes uh, founders. Now, uh, not just founders of dev tools companies, right? But founders in general who are using developer relations. Uh, spoke to a guy recently who's setting up a. It's it's like a software that helps you design uh, printed circuit boards, right? And it seems like there's this huge divide between founders or leaders who understand the value of DevRel and they don't need the metrics because they inherently understand that conversation had today will generate a sale in two years' time, right? And the community just, has, community just has fundamental value versus people who are like obsessed with quarterly reports and measurements. And if you're not demonstrating value numerically, that's it, right? Uh, and yeah. it seems like we can't get over that. It seems mm-hmm. always to come from personal leadership uh, as opposed to establishing this profession as a profession that has the same professional standing as accounts or marketing or engineering uh frustrates me so much yeah Uh, it's a tenuous chain of people that rely on or that you'll have to rely on for your employment so your manager may understand and see that the 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 vice president the senior vice president the director and ceo all those people need to understand and see that value for that to continue you have one brink of that chain yeah one of those people and that's enough to to have it all crumble down um so it's like i don't believe you well then that's that's all the evidence yeah. we need. <laughs> Let's get rid of Debra. Yeah, what you got to do? Uh, yeah. Why are we in this industry again? Why are we just? Doing- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the, uh, that shows. I mean, that's yeah. part of the lack of integration. And no matter, I've, I've been in several different meetings where people say, and, and I kind of even understand this from a little bit of Devrel needs to show its value. Devrel needs to show why it's worth it. Devrel needs to justify a continuing investment. But when you think about other departments, sales, 
the sales need to keep saying, well, we need sales because this is yeah. what sales brings. No, it's kind of inherent in the, in the notion of sales, customer support. Like, why do we need customer support? No one has to keep making the case to exist like DevRel does. And I think that's unfair. I think it's more of uh, what, uh, you know, there's, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the, the talk about like, where should DevRel sit in an org? Oh, that one. Should it be yeah, in, yeah. should it be under marketing? Should it be under product? Where should it sit? And those people need to justify DevRel, not DevRel itself. The justification needs to be here is what I'm doing to make sure that DevRel is supported and DevRel grows, not the other way around. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the lack of leadership from those departments directly correlate to the lack of understanding of DevRel and what it's good for. And I think the reason why we, I can say that with such confidence is because there are so few people in DevRel that are elevated to those positions. Yeah. And so yeah. that means that, that they have lack of understanding. They don't have that base. They don't know it intuitively to understand it. and the CMO is probably more over-indexed on traditional marketing methods. The CPO is over-indexing on traditional product metrics because that's what they're taught and that's what their experience is. And so they are skeptical. It's like, I was successful before DevRel. Why do I need DevRel? And I don't think that they really understand it. Oh, you've described quite a few sales meetings for me. <laughs> hey, so what do you think? What is the future of DevRel? Uh, like, where, where do we go from here? Like, what do we do? What should happen? So, so I, I can say what needs to happen. I'm not sure how we get there, but we need a validation from those that basically have the ear of those who make the decisions. I'm talking about industry publications like Harvard Business Review or Inc. Magazine or any of these general industry reports that get tons of eyeballs uh, where people decide to make where their investments are going to be going forward, whatever the Gardner magic quadrant or whatever you, 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 you have that people that set business tones, there needs to be an emphasis about DevRel and really doing the work to educate those that need to be educated. Yeah, because we just look like a bunch of nerds having a land party or something at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, the truth is, developers are different. They're just different. They're 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 smart. They're discerning. They are uh, intuitive. They are resourceful. They don't just choose what's put in front of them. Um, they choose what's best for the job for best for their task and what's best for their workflow. And the workflow is bespoke. Their training is bespoke because we can talk about how they even got to be a developer. It could be self-trained. It could be boot camp. It could be from a CS degree. It can be a graduate degree. It, it could be um, like transitioning from multiple different disciplines and different verticals. We can talk about finance, right? We can talk about tools. Uh, we can talk about gaming. Like all of these, like quantum computing, like the the areas are large, and um, this this is one of the things where it's just like you can't just have a generic strategy. You can't just be super high level, but you have to be 
meet them where they are. You have to be extremely in their space and in their communities. Yeah. Uh, and we as developers are um, kind of critical to a lot of sales processes these days, right? Because maybe we're not the person you have to sell to, but we're one of the people who, who has to say yes to your product. Um, I mean, I know I personally <laughs> check out the API docs and if I get the, the wrong sort of vibe from a vendor, yeah, I'm kind of skeptical. Maybe maybe we use somebody else for this this bit of integration. Um, there's the value of DevRel right there, right? It's yeah, and also I'm sure as a developer, you've probably seen companies that sound 100% tone deaf. Oh, not yeah. only on how they 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 present their product or service, but also how they like iterate and adjust. I mean, like. You're gonna fix that over this. You're you're gonna you're gonna roll out this feature and not this feature, or you're you're actually you know we've been like twelve iterations when this, since this problem's been reported and you're not even gonna hint of when it's gonna be addressed. Like the that also, um, it's hard to measure the negative, and I think that is one of the things that Devrel helps with is making sure that those negatives are seen. But it, when when that value, you know, that negative value is not seen, I, I think it makes it hard for people to understand. Like, yeah, we're getting roasted on this feature. Be like, no, people love it. Look at our numbers. Yeah. Those numbers are going to go away quickly as soon as there's a competitor or as soon as our competitor gets DevRel and then they understand our weak spots and be able to adopt those features. People are using our product, but that's not because they want to, it's because they have to. And as soon as they don't have to, they're going to leave. And not knowing that information could collapse a business. This is not theoretical. This is exactly what happened with Stripe, right? I Mm -hmm. integrated so many payment systems before Stripe. The pain, Mm -hmm. the utter pain, all that stuff you just said, right? And then Stripe comes along, pays attention to developers. They have code on the home. I know they don't anymore, but they used to have code on the homepage. Mm Mm-hmm. Who are you going to use, right? Yeah. Okay. These guys are devs, right? So that's what I'm going to choose. And they're one of the biggest payment providers. There you go. Uh, Let me ask you a little bit about uh, another trend that's happening, uh, which is AI, (laughs) right? Uh, What what does that stand for? Uh, AI? It's the first I'm hearing of, so... (laughs) (laughs) well, there was this guy called Babbage in about 1850. <laughs> oh, no, actually, so uh, one of my favorite anecdotes about Babbage is he demonstrates his difference engine to, you know, the, the Houses of Parliament, right? All the lords and lords. And uh, one of the questions he gets is, sir, if you, put in the ro- if you put in the wrong numbers, does it generate the right answers? And he... And, his quote is so lovely. It's like, it's, it's, I, I cannot begin to contemplate the confusion of ideas that would generate such a question. Mm. And every time I deal with uh, AI and people jumping into it and getting on the, the, the bandwagon um, or trying to deal with client expectations around AI, or even just talking to friends of mine who, who you know, they were like directors of AI and consultancies. Uh, the magic pixie dust effect is just kind of crazy, right? <laughs> the expectations around what it can do versus reality is what does that what is that saying? Like, 
any advanced technology. Um, looks like any magic, advanced right? technology. Yeah, it looks like magic, and I think that some people, um, where their technology, where their bases from understanding, feels like it's magic, um, indistinguishable from magic. That's what it was, um, and so that 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 thought. I think that there's some people who are like, I have no idea how it works. Uh, let's ask the people who make it. How do you? How does it work? Oh, I have no idea how it works. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like it's like I can't help you there. Um, I can tell you like how much data we put into it, but uh, yeah. yeah. So that that kind of thing is is like I think that's kind of the pixie dust effect is because no one's being able to answer the questions of how it actually works. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've probably both worked with, oh, I don't know, badly behaved, slightly arrogant, self-important junior devs. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love junior devs, work with a load of them. I love mentoring, all that sort of stuff. But there are guys, and it is mostly guys who, um, yeah, I think they know it all. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that I, I did. I know I did, right, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, and it just feels like when you get AI to generate software, you get, tens of thousands of lines of code built by these extremely optimistic, um, slightly arrogant junior <laughs> devs. <laughs> I'd rather have it written by real junior devs who are in a learning frame of mind. Because uh, at least that's yes. maintainable code. I, I, I remember, I'm sure everyone has done this when you first start coding. You like make a bit of code and then you look back at it after you learn a little bit more. You're like, oh, that right. oh, I can't God. believe I wrote that. Let me let me redo that. Still happens. And then yeah. and then and then you feel a little bit better. And then you learn a little bit more. And then you're like, oh, and like how that process just repeats over and over and over and over and over. Like, and even with the process of the code of like, oh, I had no tests written for this. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should do that. Maybe or like yeah. with security, I didn't. I never cleaned my inputs. Uh, let me let me let me sanitize that. And like there there's so many things that you can keep doing. And if you don't have a learning mindset and you, and your computer and you, and you stay in this fixed mindset saying I, it works, it does well, then that's totally ignoring that software changes and it, and there are new versions. And if you don't continue learning and you also don't continue reflecting, then you just, you didn't, you're kind of like out of the cycle of how technology progresses and you will be less left in that same spot. And then when you go to then saying, oh, I need to get up to speed, it feels like you're resetting almost all the way yeah. to the back to yeah. zero. Uh, I do want to reserve judgment though, right? Because um, it's, <laughs> there's so many examples in history of people, you know, oh, the world will only ever need five computers, right? Said mm-hmm. by the chairman of IBM, I think. Uh, so you you kind of got to be careful. Um, wasn't, wasn't there, wasn't there, um, famous quote, somebody asked Churchill or somebody like that, what he thought the, uh, the effects of the Franco-Prussian war were on politics in Europe. And he said, well, it's too soon to tell. (laughs) We just, we just don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm both, um, super excited and i think there's so many awesome things and i use chat gpt all the time and sometimes it's really dumbass and sometimes it's awesome um uh 
Yeah, it's a great time to be alive. There's, there's, there's fun stuff happening. Yeah, sure. and we also need to remember, like, what they say, the future is here. It's just not democratized. Um, yeah, that, yeah. So the, the, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're in this, realize that you're probably a few years ahead of your colleagues or your family or your adjacent people in your life just for even being aware about how this stuff is being implemented. Uh, it may seem like AI is everywhere or going everywhere, but there are much more people who are just clueless about this whole revolution thing. Yeah, yeah. So one, one to watch for sure. I don't I don't think you should be afraid. Even as a DevRel, you shouldn't be afraid, right? Because I think it just magnifies your abilities. I would like to end with uh, asking you about your personal journey and how you ended okay. up doing this job. Um, you said you, you I mean, it, it wasn't a choice, right? Because you, you you said previously you kind of discovered you kind of discovered yes. the role. Uh, but how do you go from hey, I can code and people will pay me money to uh, all the stuff you've done now? I mean, oh my god, your resume is unlistable. <laughs> well, uh, I would yeah, it's a culmination. So uh, I, I didn't come out fully formed uh, in this way, and and there was a lot of experiences that kind of moved me in that direction. Uh, I won't go too far back. Uh, I'll go back to um, like 2010-ish, um, where I was a product development engineer at AMD. Uh, and while working there, um, we were developing <laughs> like a software that's going to ship on OEM PCs. It was called AMD Live at the time. It was for home entertainment PCs when TiVo and DVR was uh, really uh, starting to flourish and getting into the mainstream. And because of my position of working uh, on the engineering team, but also working really closely in marketing, um, I kind of understood the talking points of both the marketing perspective and the engineering perspective. And so I got sent to a lot of conferences, a lot of CESs, a lot of conventions uh, to work the booth to kind of showcase our technology and answer questions from both the mainstream press, uh, like the ABCs, the CBSs, or, or Good Morning Americas, but also to answer questions from the technology press. Uh, the yeah. register or oh, Tom's hardware yes. guide. Uh, <laughs> Watch and, out for the register if you don't know. Yes. Them. <laughs> and so being able to answer those questions from, yeah. a, from a place of knowledge, uh, from a deep technical understanding was a real benefit. But the exposure to that kind of forward front-facing position and the networking and the kind of like, to kind of do the feedback and responses to kind of, move with what I was hearing and what I was learning and then feeding that back to wor how work and the work input and then showing and making those adjustments for when I'm in front of the public again, that, that cycle kind of like got me really, really interested in marketing. Um, uh, I realized that the marketers, the people in the booth next to me who were marketers uh, weren't able to ask the right questions of their the their um, their management or or the people working on the products, and so when they got asked those questions in the booth, they couldn't give answers that self sensitive. Uh, they were kind of spinny. They're kind of avoidant, avoidant, um, and I didn't like that as a person who would talk to these people, and I would start to recognize. And, you know, you ever see see something after you learn it, and then you can't unsee it anymore. 
Um, that's kind of how I felt is that there is a huge, huge um, lack of technical acumen with marketing. And so, um, but I also loved being able to express ideas to people who were interested in learning about products. And so that, cause that moved me into marketing. And so I did marketing specifically social media marketing for over a decade after that. Um, and so, um, so that's kind of like how I got experience on the market analytics, the kind of like how marketing operates, both coming up with, uh, strategy, uh, strategies and plans and, um, media buys like earned and deployments and the go-to-market plans and all the kind of the mechanics of marketing. And then in 2018, a friend of mine who was the head of global uh, social media marketing for IBM Systems uh, said, hey, I know you have a marketing background and I also know you have a technical background. We're doing this thing called DevRel. I think you'd be perfect for it. And I did not know what DevRel was, but I read the job description. I said, oh my gosh, this is perfect. This is everything (laughs) I love. This is the peanut butter. This is the chocolate. Let me go ahead and do that. And so I did it for a bit. Uh, Didn't work out there. Um, (laughs) I won't go into too much details. And then I kind of worked my way through different companies doing different various jobs from a developer advocate to social media manager. And then my role before this, I was head of community over at a, a database company, but now I am senior community manager at AWS, um, which kind of touches on a lot of different things of making sure that there's care and feeding of the community, but also making sure that information is disseminated to them so that they can provide the right kind of uh, education to their member base. Um, and that's what I do as a primary job. And if you see me on a stage, if you see me doing podcasts, that's kind of my personal hobby. That's, and uh, you mentioned the state of DevRel report. I'm involved in a lot of that kind of like making sure that we can shape DevRel in, in a positive direction. And so I'm really invested in that. Yeah. DevRel kind of found you. And I, I, there's so many stories like that. There is, there is a new generation where people can see that role and can choose to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our generation, uh, we definitely had to find our way into it. It had to, I don't know, call to us maybe. Uh, one, one yeah, final, the equivalent final of the person who is in IT because they're sitting next to the computer. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Works with computers. Um, one final, final question. Um, a lot of the DevRel roles involve putting yourself out there um, and doing a lot of stuff on social media and generating a persona and horrible term thought leadership. How necessary is that? I mean, it's, it, it can be dangerous, right? Because if you kind of overcook it, um, if you over promote something, you kind of burn your credibility. Um, and people do do that, right? Um, yes. Yes. What, what, like, what advice do you have for people starting out? How do, how do you kind of balance the enthusiasm perhaps with maybe being safe? Um, well, I I gave a talk, a keynote actually at DevRelCon London uh, in, um, in September. It was just last month. And the recording is available. So if you're listening to this, I advise you to l- watch that keynote there. But one of the things that I touched on is that how integrity is the basis of what we do. And if you are out there, doesn't matter what company you're for, whatever company that you're going to go to, if your t- if your tune 
changes dramatically. I was against Web3, but now I work for a Web3 company. And so Web3 is amazing or the vice versa where I work for Web3, but now I, I work for a traditional database and that stuff didn't work. Um, that people see that and people notice that, especially where the people who are recognizable when they switch jobs and they inevitably do, um, the people that come with them come because they trust them. Yeah. And so they're able to see version A and they're able to see version B and they can make that direct comparison. So um, integrity is the cornerstone of what we do and you, and you need to stand by that. Um, so people on the internet are sleuths. Your work doesn't go away and it'll all come out. Mm -hmm. So just do the right thing from the get-go and don't have to, don't worry about that. And so it's like, well, I need a job. I know you needed a job. I knew you needed to say the things that you liked about a product or a company, but don't then not say the things that are that where it can be improved, where things could get better, where you think in uh, things still need to change and giving well-rounded perceptions of what you're doing and what you're and who you're working for and what products they make, I think is needed no matter what you're doing. Uh, Rose colored glasses are something that people who are extreme fans have, but DevRel is making sure that we do better, not just externally, but internally inside of company. And if you say that everything is is roses and is the, the tops, then there's no room for improvements and there's no nuance and saying who the product is good for. And going back to what I was saying about developers, they are a particular bunch. And um, it, we are, and I mentioned this in my talk, I said, we are the, we are the people of it depends. And yeah. if you abandon that, then you're, yeah. you're really not true to the brand. <laughs> This kind of echoes what you were saying about all those years ago at the booth, right? Where you were like, yeah, I, I don't want to give these evasive answers. I want to give the real answer and yeah, actually help people. Um, yeah, that's a great North Star, right? Just just mm -hmm. kind of start with integrity um, as a guiding principle, <laughs> like a lot of things in life. <laughs> Wesley, thank you so much. Um, cover a lot of ground, um, but I feel the future is still pretty bright for DevRel, despite everything. Um, I'm I excited to see what happens next. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing it because that's, you know, it found me. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. Got to ride that wave. I'm going to ride it until I get hit the shore. But then, exactly. you know, we'll see what that, that leads. Maybe I'll, I'll take off running and get a better board and go back out. Awesome. Well, we'll be there cheering you on. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgeek.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgeek.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgeek. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.